When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Everything is Black and White podcast, brought to you by Chronicle Live, bringing you the latest insight on everything to do with Newcastle United. You can find us on iTunes, Acast, Spotify, or most podcast providers. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Musgrove, and today joined by Mark Douglas. He will be holding a question and answer session. This is going to be a, a fortnightly thing where Mark... Um, answers your questions that's from you guys on twitter facebook and over email and you can give your questions like i say um, via twitter we'll put a post out uh, the morning of the show and over to me andrew.musgrove at reachplc.com well it's an interesting week for newcastle night tomorrow isn't it given that norwich game not necessarily i mean the result was bad but the performance was worse yeah um, for, before we dive in just sum up your thoughts on what you saw on saturday well you know, obviously, it wasn't at the game, so I've just watched it. Watched it back. Um, I know the lads who were there said, you know, you do get some context from actually being there sometimes. Uh, really poor. The kind of performance we 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 just hadn't seen for the last three years under under Benitez. Um, but it, it was it was ragged. You know, I thought the timing of playing these these newly promoted clubs is always bad. It's it's never good. I mean, they've, they've, that's three times. Since they returned to the Premier League, they've played a newly promoted club and and always struggled because they have got a bit of momentum um, on their side when you play them. But that's no excuse for being steamrolled by the weakest team, man for man, in the Premier League. You know, and, and it could have been more. Um, Newcastle could have lost four or five. You know, they also could have they also could have won because they could have they could have gone. Um, you know, if Jolinton scores that goal, maybe they go on and and, and have a bit more of a bit more of an effort but let's be honest they never really looked in it they've looked defensively suspect in that match on Saturday um, and they need to sharpen up quickly and that's everybody from the manager from the, sorry, from the head coach to the players they, they need to sharpen up because you know it's only two games so far but a season could run away from you well that leads us nicely into our first question this one from Craig Allen on Twitter he says I know it's only two games in but the two performances were shocking do you think Steve Bruce will be awarded as much time as Steve McLaren if the performances remain the same? Well, Steve McLaren got too long. So I don't think potentially if things are going as badly as they were under McLaren with Bruce that he will get as long as that. No, I, I don't think he will because I think it'll, you know, they, they were aware that they they made the mistake that time. Um, when I sort of questioned the hierarchy on what happened there, with McLaren, it was very much the idea of well, we went to senior players and asked them what they thought. Was it turning round? Did, did they feel it was turning? It, did they feel it was going in the right direction? And the the message that came back was yes. You know, stick with him. We, we feel that it's turning round. Well, I think they have to take. They would have to take a more um, direct approach this time around. They wouldn't be able. They shouldn't go to the players. They'll have to decide if they're in the bottom three in what was it March. Um, they'd have to make they'd have a big decision to make um, but in the short term you know they're not going to pull the trigger on Steve Bruce after two games they probably wouldn't pull the trigger on him after seven or eight games without a win but you know I, I, 
they know it's so important to the business model of, of the football club to be in the Premier League that you know to say that they would just put up with defeats, 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 defeats. You know, I, I don't think they would do that. I, I think, but I think it will take uh, you know mammoth change for things for for them to to decide to get rid of him because they've put so much. I mean, Mike Ashley said in an interview he was an amazing choice. Um, Lee Charnley came out and threw his weight behind him um, before the first game of the season, you know, and the players have kind of talked talked it up as well. So it would, it, it, it's, you know, things would have to be going very badly for them to make a very early decision. But if they go 10, 11 games without a win, you know, that that's different. I think the two key games I see in the Premier League are Watford next Saturday and then Brighton, which is, I think is after the international break, isn't it? Those are two absolutely vital games because they need to get something from those games um, next week's really important look they're not going to win on Sunday are they I think you know it would be a major shock if they did although McLaren did go to Spurs and win of course but it would be a major shock if they went and got anything from Tottenham on Saturday and uh, Sunday sorry but and if they do that then, then all the better but we need a better performance don't we we need a better performance Ryan um, on Twitter Doug underscore 85 he asks again, how much time is Bruce going to be given? And he pinpoints October. If Newcastle head into October without a point, is that when alarm bells start ringing? I guess the question so is there. A point, yeah. I mean, potentially, but it's, how many games is that? It's sort of five or six, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, well, Ronald De Boer didn't uh, didn't last long at, at Palace. I think if they've not got a point after six or seven games, you'd be you'd be starting to to look at it and say. It's either gonna, they've either got to feel it's very much going to turn, or um, or you know that, that, that things are going to think you know that, that they're confident that, that he's the man based on what they've seen on the training ground. I don't think they'll go six games without winning a point. I know it's Saturday. I know Saturday was horrendous, um, but you know they've got they've got that game against Watford. They've got that game against Brighton coming up. You know I don't think they'll go a game without a point. But if you know if they get to ten games, and they've not got any points then. You know, they might have to look at how they're going to change it or what they're going to do. Um, but, you know, it's all hypotheticals at the moment. They're certainly not thinking in the boardroom in terms of if we go 10 games, we won't get a point because they're confident that they will start to win games. I mean, you know, I know fans have hated people saying this about the comparison with Rafa last year, but they didn't. They, they backed the manager last year. And, and I know fans and, and me as well, you know, would say this, this manager is not Rafa. But... He's also not, you know, he's also, they, they they won't be feeling that they've made a choice and then it changes, you know, their choice changes all of a sudden off the back of two wins. I think they're going to be winless. I think they're going to be pointless after three games. But then, you know, if they go into six or seven games without a point and they're four or five points adrift, then, then you might see some panic. But they're certainly not talking that way. You know, the messages that we're getting are, he will get time. He will, you know, we, we believe in him. Um, but of course, they believe in him because they think he's going to get points. If they go ten games, eight, nine, ten games without without a point, it might change. They might get might get a bit panicked. Do you think? Now he did say when he first took this job, Bruce. He said, you know, his he's, his eyes are wide open. He knows what he's coming into. After two games, the criticism he's had, the reaction, how bad it's gone on the pitch. Do you think he's seen something that maybe he didn't actually realise was there? I, well. I think he thought the preseason wasn't what he wanted. Um, I, well, I know that for a fact. He thought the preseason, he thought that the fixture list was light on games, and he also felt that you know he, he wasn't going to have enough time to to get to get messages onto the players. He's got, I mean, Emil Kraft. He'd only had 
as a player for you know ten days before we played at Norwich. So I think he knew it was going to be tough to get them playing entirely how he wanted them to play. But you know the criticism side of it, he had been warned. So if he didn't know. You know, definitely everybody had said to him, look, this is a really toxic situation you're coming into, potentially. Um, and he knew that. Um, I think I kind of separate what's being said online with what's being said on the stands at the moment. If you lose the fans in the stands, you're in real trouble. And McLaren did. Um, you know, I don't think even Carver really lost the fans at any point. I don't remember them chanting for him to go at any point. They did with McLaren. Uh, they did with, you know, not so much Allardyce, really. But there was, you know, he hasn't, you know, it's not manifested itself in the stands. I mean, the fans were upset on Saturday. Um, so he hasn't, you know, what's been said online is it's kind of, it's amplified. I'm, I'm not saying it's not representative of what, how people are feeling, but it's definitely amplified. So we maybe don't think about that. But um, I think he knew what he was coming into. I, I don't think that, that that's untrue, but he would have expected, they wanted to make a quick start. They, they've done a lot of fitness work around being ready and being physically prepared for the first few games of the season so we will be disappointed very disappointed with how things have gone in the first two games because they wanted they knew the important thing was to get off to a decent start to, to answer some of the critics because the questions about Bruce are not just is he the right man they are about the legitimacy of him being the manager because Newcastle fans have quite rightly turned around and said well god we've taken a manager from the championship who's got a however much win ratio um and you know those are valid questions Every manager that Newcastle have appointed under Ashley, apart from Key and, and Benitez, have had those questions around them of the legitimacy. Is this, you know, it's not just about, is he the right man, you know, or could we have gone for somebody else? It's actually the legitimacy of that appointment. McLaren, everybody said, why have you gone for him? Carver, why have you done that? Um, Hutton, why have you done that? You know, the, 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 that is an, it's a basic thing with Bruce as well. Why have you appointed him? You could have gone for a much easier, you could have gone for somebody who the fans kind of would have accepted as a work in progress, but they've gone for somebody who they knew was going to be unpopular because they backed him. Um, they backed him 100%. So that's the pressure that they've brought on themselves. And Bruce has, has invited that pressure by taking the job. So it's up to him to win games. Um, so, you know, would he, did he expect it? You know, maybe not. But if he didn't, then he was naive because he was warned that it was going to be like this. Just a couple of questions um, about Saturday, about Norwich. First off, Mankilo, I think, was unfortunate to be dropped um, because he's, yeah, he's had a storm in pre-season. He looked very good against um, Arsenal. Surprised a lot of people in the way he's performed. Why do you think he was left out of the starting eleven? Tactically, I think he was looking for a bit more. I think he was looking for a bit more shape down that down that side. I think he was looking for a bit more protection because they felt, although he played well, they identified you know right back has been identified as a target area by opposition teams at New, uh, against Newcastle all the way through the last two seasons. You know that was why um, Rafa wanted additional um, reinforcements in that position because they know that the right the right side has been an area of weakness or has been perceived as an area of weakness for two seasons so I, I would assume that they brought Kraft in to kind of shore that up Arsenal had some joy I think Manquillo played well he certainly played well going forward but Arsenal did have some joy down that side especially in the second half so I'm assuming that basically they would have seen that Norwich Norwich attack like Norwich attack like they did on Saturday, and they are very industrious. They 
Yeah, they're very quick and it's that kind of pressing game. And I think they would have seen that they would have thought that Kraft could do a better job with that than Manquillo. As it turned out, he didn't. He wasn't. He didn't look ready for. He didn't look ready for it. So I think there'll be changes again on Sunday. Um, but I also think they'll probably go to four four two, or even four five one. Probably more likely four five one on on, on uh, Sunday. So he'll probably come back into it on Sunday. No, plenty of questions coming as well about formation changes. Um, now for I think it was Norwich's first goal. I took a screenshot um, of the of the build up and the, and it, before the ball comes over um, to the left of Pucky, there's there's a Norwich guy in the box and the screenshot. There's four or five Newcastle United players going towards mm. that one man. Now you can you play devil's advocate. You say right, second game under Bruce, they're learning. There's things to be taken on board. He hasn't had a full preseason, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But that is a schoolboy out. You, you don't want four or five men going towards the ball, do you? Well, they had they had eight they had eight men in the penalty area, and yet he still managed to volley get get his shot off. I mean, that was that was the damning thing for me. Um, I mean, there's no defence of that. There's no defence of that whatsoever. And, and you know, I think it's unfortunate in some ways for Bruce that he's, you know, he's come up, he's come after a man who tactically was absolutely spot on and players worked on shape, you know, to to distraction, I think. And players did, I think the players did get a bit fed up with sort of some of the way that they, the way that they were drilled on shape. But, you know, then it works, so they were like, "Oh, actually, you know, we're happy with this." But they, but they didn't look. I think you're right about the players going towards the ball. Eight men in the box worried me massively because, you know, how is he getting a shot off if you've got that many players in the box? There was a corner, you know, that Dominic gave away before that as well. Then a cross is allowed to come in as well, and you know, they're not pressing. They're not pressing the ball as well as they were under under Benitez. And like you said, you know. You can say tactically, you can say he's not had enough time, but those are basics, real basic errors. Uh, and they simply need to sharpen up on that because if they don't, then they're not going to win games. The margin for error is so small in the Premier League that you, you, you can't make mistakes like that. I mean, the only way they can, they can remedy that is if the coaching staff identify the problems and put the right solutions into place, which is what Benitez was really, really good at. Um, seen a lot of criticism of the team saying oh well they, they they've they've thought they're better than they are and actually Rafa was walking them through games I think that's maybe a little bit unfair because um you know they are they are they have got the basis the foundation for a good 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 um good defense there I think they were just caught cold and um they're they're you know they're, they're not quite understanding yet what it is that they're being asked to do is my opinion you know I don't think they're they don't think they're doing that and whether that's a problem with the message or whether it's a problem with the tactics we'll find out in the current weeks because there's no, you can't say next week or you can't say three weeks down the line, oh, well, they've not had enough time to put it into practice because they've had two free weeks, three free weeks um, between games. Obviously, they've got a match next week, but they've had, this is a full week they've got running up to, to, to Tottenham. So I'd expect to see, I'd expect to see a more, um, you know, a, a better performance and a more kind of, structured performance on Sunday if I'm if we're not seeing that then there will be another cause of concern because you'd say well where is the message getting through to these players I promise you we will get onto formations but just on some of the things that were said after the defeat to Norwich Steve Bruce um, said I, I can't go on the pitch with them but the one thing in management I've always tried to instill into my team is if we make mistakes we, we, we can make mistakes but I can't think of a performance where basically you don't put your boots on now that is not 
the most positive thing to say. It's, uh, you, you can't argue with what he's saying because the players didn't turn up. However, given that we were only two games in, and Paul Dummett also said something about looking in the mirror. Yeah. Um, yeah, he mentioned about the warm-ups, didn't he? There's a, there's a lot being said, which if you were halfway through the season and things were going badly, if you win the relegation game after, uh, zone after 20 games, um, or if you were 18 months into your, your reign and things weren't going well, these things... You, that was said after the game are expected in many ways, you know. But to have it after two games, well, you, I mean, what do you make of that? Because if you're a player and you didn't put your boots on, they accept. And I think a lot of them will accept that they didn't turn up. But for me, some of the things that have been said um, after that game, it sounds like they're already in a relegation battle. Well, I mean, they are in a relegation battle this season. I think that's you know that 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 has to we have to kind of accept that, and that's one of the depressing things about life at Newcastle United at the moment is that. If, you know the way that things went in the summer have meant that really, if they survive this season, I know they're talking. I know they're saying that the messages that the club are giving are we, we're trying to we, we want to kick on, we want to win the cups and stuff. But the message is one thing, and the reality is another thing that they are going to be trying to stay up this season because um, you know you don't appoint a manager, a head coach as late as they did, and expect to be flying high in the league, and you don't appoint a head coach who's really unpopular with the fans and expect to be flying high up the league. Um, the message, the things that people are saying, I mean, you've got an honest... Look, the one thing you'd say is the, the, the players don't do platitudes at Newcastle because they're an honest bunch. Isaac Hayden, you know, honest. Paul Dummer, very honest character. You know, would we rather that they just said, oh, well, we move on to the next week. It's not the end of the world. You know, I, I'd rather that they at least accepted culpability for it. Um, Steve Bruce is just a different character to Rafa Benitez and what he said there is just you know I mean we had you know Rafa kind of sometimes said things like that as well you know he's probably killed himself a little bit by being so so honest there but I think yeah, I think Lee made the point in his match report look if they were kind of saying oh well you know we we were close then you'd be a lot more worried at least they're saying it was not acceptable it was not good enough but yeah I mean it's alarming to hear him say that and I'd want to know why that happened Um I look back to the last last year in the Cardiff game and, and it was the same thing. You know, Newcastle had turned up for that match and it was like, what? why are they playing like this? Why have they... They just seemed, seemed like they were wading through treacle. It was the same on Saturday. They just came up against a team that, that exploited their their weaknesses a lot better on um, on, on Saturday. But you know, some of the things are really alarming. I don't like to hear that about, you know, we didn't put our boots on. I was like, well, why not? You know, why, why, did, why has that happened? Is it because... You didn't put the right message into the players. Is it because they were just caught caught cold by Norwich? But you must have known that Norwich were going to come out flying. And, and I mean, you know, look, we all have off days. And I, I think the charitable perception of it is that that was an off day for Newcastle. But um, the honesty, I think, is why people are kind of, you know, the, the players will probably turn around and say, well, we won't give, we won't give interviews. If everything's going to be pulled apart, let's just keep it very much were just platitudes and things like that and and you know I remember when the team did that in the McLaren era we were all we all got very angry with them because we felt they weren't invested in what was going on well this squad is probably not as good as quite the 2015 team man for man but collectively is better so you know they should you know they should they should be doing better than they are so far they should have taken something from Saturday um but yeah I'm, I'm alarmed by what's being said but I also think you know look let's not punish them for being honest, the players in particular. Um, and the stuff that they're saying about the tactics, it's like, yeah, well, do you, yeah, I mean, there is work, there is there is things that need to change. 
tactics simply. And we'll get on to tactics now. Um, Daniel JPEG on Twitter asks, do you think Bruce has to go to the formation that Rafa Benitez used last season um, with Alan St. Maximum playing where Perez did and Joe Linton up top? It's an option, isn't it? It's an option, of course. But the club have made great play about him being more expansive and I think in the programme notes before the Spurs get before the Arsenal game, sorry, Lee Charney said we're going to play front foot football or it's going to be front foot football and it's like so then you go back to what Rafa was doing and you know how does that work with changing the way that the team play? I think they need to be a lot a lot tighter than they were on uh, on on Saturday. I mean, the problem was they weren't even attacking. You know, you could accept the risk reward of we're going to go for it a little bit more if they're going to go for it a bit more. But they didn't have. You know, they've not looked in the two games like they're going to score free. You know, freely either have they? I mean, they, they had a forty-five good minutes against Arsenal, encouraging moments against Arsenal where they they did look as they, they had a bit of threat. But Saturday they didn't have any threat, so they've got to. Basically, go safety first. I mean, remember what happened last summer, last year, and it was by any means necessary we go to Southampton and get something out of the game. That was it. We need to get something out of Palace and Southampton. Those were the two games, I think, where, you know, we we were kind of like tearing our hair out because they were so negative, but they needed to get something out of the game and things bounced for them a little bit in those two games. They just need to do that on Sunday. We'd all accept a scrappy ground out nil nil or one one on Sunday we, we in fact we'd herald it um but you know I, I look at the kind of similarities with other regimes you know remember McLaren went to Man United and got a nil nil to me where the team defended really well um and it didn't signal the start of a better run but, the, but Bruce just needs something like that so they, he's going to have to change the formation because it's not working if they go to Spurs and play like that they're going to get picked apart so they need to change George Dubravka asks, what's your predicted formation for Sunday? I think they'll go with um, maybe 5-4-1 or 4-4-1-1, potentially. I'd like to get Almiron out of that front too. I just don't think it works. He needs um, to drop deeper. Well, if he drops deeper, then Jolinton's going to be totally on on his own and isolated. What they need, really, I think is another... I mean, they need St Maximum, really, to be playing and to kind of give him a bit more support and be, be swinging balls into the box. Uh, and Richie to potentially be doing that as well for him because he looks like you know he can he looks like he can he can you know he's quite good in the air but he also looks as if he can pick the ball up I mean from looking at what he, how he played in Germany he can pick the ball up from deep and run with it but he's just not getting it because the midfield's not being able to get the ball to him Almiron is just where is Almiron playing you know I don't I just don't, I just have no idea where Almiron's meant to be playing but he's not getting the ball he's getting the ball and running but then he's totally isolated as well it's like you know what Almiron was doing well last year was getting the ball in kind of deep areas and running. He was, but he was, you know, he was playing on the on the wing, wasn't he? Effectively, and he was doing quite well with it. Um, I posted something on Twitter before the first game or after the first game, saying I didn't want him to see him playing as a kind of off the front man. And you know, a few people said that that's where his national team boss wants him to play. That's where he played for Atlanta as well. But Premier League wise, I don't think he's up to it. I don't think he's got that. You know not the way that Newcastle are playing. They want bodies in the box and he's just not going to do it. So they've got to find a way of getting Almiron to play. I wouldn't surprise me if Almiron drops to the bench on on Sunday. It's going to be a test of his character as well, isn't it? Because he's had a fair bit of criticism um, over the last two weeks. I mean, Alan Shearer um, has gone in on, on both Joe Linton and Almiron and he's he, not really on the players, but on the way that 
the formation isn't really working. They're too far apart. Is something that Shira said. Uh, Danny Mills has had a go at Almiro on a day. Said he's he flat to deceive last season. Yeah, um, Danny Mills is an idiot. So <laughs> I'm not bothered about what Danny Mills says. But the fans as well, they're starting to question whether you know is he a flash in the pan? Is he is he was he worth the hype that came last season? Um, I mean, I think it's a bit harsh. Yeah, I think once the first goal comes, we'll see a different kind of play. I think it's all about confidence. But I do think he's playing too far up top. I do think he needs to be dropped back. But it is going to be a real test of his character, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, he, he comes across as, you know, he's he is quite a strong mentally, I think. You know, bear in mind that he, you know, it, it, his game is about pace, about running it, about running at teams, about his, his work rate is phenomenal. Um, but I don't think he's going to, you know, I don't think he's going to score goals the way that Newcastle are playing at the moment. He needs to he needs to be given the ball in sort of deeper areas and he needs to be running at teams and he needs to be occupying opposition defenders to give gaps to other place to other players to play, you know. Don't forget that they had a very settled formation. Perez, Rondon, Almiron was the front three. That was how it worked. You've lost two of them. Um Almiron is now playing with a totally new player who's I think going to have problems of his own adapting to the Premier League in 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 um, in Jolinton and there's nobody else there it's those two and then and then a kind of midfield four a midfield kind of three um that's you know interchanging and it it's it's not his game I don't think that's the problem so I think they do need to find a way of unlocking that but you know look let's not hammer him and I, I saw some ridiculous stuff about Jolinton on on um Saturday you know look he, he's it's going to take him a little bit of time but he's, he's, you know, he seems he's got the raw materials. I've seen him play quite well in 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 spells, but let's not write him off yet. I mean, Rondon didn't exactly hit the ground running either. Um, no, I mean, he's an experienced player, you know. Mm. I mean, Rondon. I mean, Rondon scored in his first game, and he, you know, Rondon. I thought Rondon was, you know, looked looked pretty solid generally when he came in. But they, but they've chosen, you know, and and I wanted them to sign Rondon. I, I, they should have signed Rondon. They should have kept Benitez. You know, but, but we should have said all this. They should have kept Rondon. They should have kept Benitez. They should have kept Perez. Um, but we've moved beyond that. Well, so now we say they will live and die by the choices they've made. You know, they're not choices that I would have made. But now they've made them. I think it's it's ridiculous to kind of start writing off Jalinton after two games. Um, just, just not fair, really. You know, if Rafa had signed Jolinton, and I've seen stuff online, oh, Rafa didn't want Jolinton. Well, that's not strictly true. He didn't want him at the price that they were paying for him, and he wanted other players instead. But I don't think he thought he was useless. We hope you've enjoyed this episode so far. Just a quick reminder to please subscribe and review to our podcast through iTunes, Spotify, or whichever podcast provider you listen through. Do you think it's? A, do you think that? Bruce has been judged on the two results so far. No wins, the bad performance against Norwich. Or do you think it's a mixture of that and the fact that he's come in and he's replaced Rafa Benitez, he's not Rafa Benitez? Because if that is the case, do you think that's a little bit unfair? Because no no one is Rafa. It could have been Jose Mourinho, it could have been Arsene Wenger, but it would have still been the man who replaces Rafa Benitez. But I think if, if if they'd have got Vieira or Arteta... Or even Martinez, the, some of the names that were linked, and, and definitely they were they were very much interested in Arteta. I think Arteta would have got more time because you would have seen it as wow, this is a you know a, um, a forward thinking coach, a very much like you know a guy who's worked under Pep. He had those credentials, 
Um, so I think he would have got more time. The reason that Bruce is being judged is because, you know, look, his CV is, you know, middling, I think, in terms of Premier League. I think, you know, I personally think he's, you know, it's some of the stuff that's been said about him has been a little bit disrespectful in terms of like, I don't think he's, I've seen him work at Sunderland. He's not, he's not, you know, some bumbling kind of joking ear style, you know, like kind of manager. He's not, he's not that. He's got a decent, you know, he's got a decent pedigree. He's, he's worked in these things, but he's not Rafa. And I do also think there are massive question marks over whether the last time he was in the Premier League was in 2015. The league has moved on in four years massively, massively. So I think the question is that when people are kind of asking questions about why have you gone for him, Newcastle have said that they've gone for him because he's passion for Newcastle United. I think they've gone for him because of his experience, because he'll, he knows how to extricate himself from, you know, he knows how these difficult situations work. Well, now we've got to see how that works. I, I don't think, I think the nature of some of the criticism, I feel, feels a little bit personal, a little bit harsh. But on the basis of his ability, that that those questions are fair, and he has got massive questions to answer about that. You know, his his record is not of the caliber of some of the other managers in the Premier League. You know, ESPN did their manager power rankings, I think, and he was bottom, wasn't he? He was twentieth out of twenty, um, and that was people looking from the outside. So Newcastle fans have those, and until he starts winning games, there is no defence for 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 that. You know, until he starts winning matches, you can't say, "Oh well, here's his tra- here's his here's proof that he can do it." Um, it was always going to be difficult for anybody coming in against Rafa because Rafa had a very specific way of doing things, and although Rafa didn't achieve anywhere near as much at Newcastle as, as he would have liked to, um, and and you know the, the the league campaigns in the Premier League were, were mediocre in large parts, but he got some really cracking wins. And he got, you know, and, he, and he, they were greater than the sum of their parts. So what's worrying so far is that they look less than the sum of their parts. And that's the, the key to management is just basically making the team more than they more than they should be. And you can't say that they have been so far. So look, the question marks, I, I'm not going to criticise any fan who's coming out and saying Bruce shouldn't have that job. Because, you know, you look at it and you say, well... Do his credentials match up to what Newcastle would have wanted to do? But you have to be realistic. They tried to get other managers. They tried to get a couple of other managers. They couldn't get them. They were the time was ticking down, and they looked at Bruce and thought he he ticks some of the boxes that we want, um, and they went for him. So it was a little bit of, you know, they, the summer was a mess. He was he was you know they did they didn't have a lot of other options really who who ticked all the boxes that they wanted. You know I know that they. Giovanni von Bronckhurst wanted the job. They didn't want him because they wanted a Premier, Premier League experience. So that's why they've gone for him. And now we find out where the Premier League experience matters. You know, any manager was going to be judged against what Rafa did. Um, that's why they should have kept him, basically, because it was always going to be difficult for anybody coming in. But um, they need to stay up now. They just need to find a way of avoiding relegation this season, in my opinion. So on to our final few questions. We're going to finish with a couple of questions on our coverage but the first question is linked to the takeover um, Doug underscore 85 asks what happened to the parent interest in the club uh, the Binzai group were very vocal in the summer but but there's just well there's nothing now well I don't think um, you know I think there are question marks to answer from the questions to answer for all parties involved in that 
um, why Newcastle let let it go on for as long as they did and didn't didn't steer people on the validity of what Bin Zayed was saying because the Bin Zayed group statements contained two inaccuracies. The first ones, and I kind of like, you know, I said all through the summer that they're not going through the Premier League checks that they said they were going to do. They're not. So, um, you know, we should have really had a steer then that like, look, it's nowhere near as far as they're saying. Um, and that would have helped a lot of people. But then Bin Zayed obviously have question marks to answer themselves. Like, why did they say that they were getting further on? Why did they say they had a good chance? You know, I've made contact with them over the summer and I'll be making contact with them again to try and find out. Well, look, you know, you owe people some explanations here. But Newcastle also owe people explanations because they said that they were going to um, put in some measures in place to ensure that nobody who got to the stage of being in talks with them wouldn't have the money. But I don't think Binzayed had had the money. I don't think they ever had the money. Um, I think they were trying to find a way of getting the money, which was the same thing that Peter Kenyon did as well. Um, and, th- you know, the publicity that they got around that story on the back page of The Sun was ridiculous, you know? Th- maybe there were questions to answer there as well. Like, why... Did they, why was it leaked? Whoever leaked it, um, and the journalist from the Sun is the only person who can answer that. So I don't know, but it was, you know, I think it was a humongous waste of time and energy. Um, they did do a few. They did do a few things that made that, that show that there was a little bit of credibility there. They did have a head of terms with Newcastle, which agreed a price. They did employ lawyers to prepare the ground to actually change the ownership of the club. So they did. They did do things that, that, that showed that they, there was some credibility, which is, I think, why we maybe gave them a little bit more time and than they should have had. But but when it started to get to a radio DJ in Dubai is releasing a statement on their behalf, which they wouldn't even acknowledge came from them, you knew that it was starting to get farcical. Um, you know, the club don't want to go on the record about what happened, but I understand that they just decided that. We had a non-disclosure agreement. We were going to stick to it and we weren't going to say anything. But it feels to me as if it was convenient for them that the heat was taken off the Rafa situation and it was all placed on the takeover and people started to get carried away and everything. And I feel really sorry for Newcastle fans who kind of have lived through three failed takeovers now. And, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if we hear more in December because there will be people sniffing. There still are people sniffing around that football club. Um, and there'll be people, if the team are in the bottom three, there'll be people thinking they can get a bargain out of Mike Ashley again. And he will probably be more open to listening to lower offers in in, Jan- in December, which is what happened last December. He was basically saying, look, take it off my hands. You You now have to take the risk. But, you know, whether he's interested in selling or not is a big question. The club insists he is, but this is three different groups now that have tried to take it off his hands. And, you know, I'm just sceptical about the whole thing now. Um, Bin Zayed was just a humongous waste of time and energy over the summer. And I feel really sorry for fans. And I got very frustrated by the end, to be honest. And that might be Bin Zayed next door. But I got very frustrated by the end because, you know, people didn't want to listen to what we were saying, which, you know, and there were people on one side saying it was total rubbish people on the other side saying it's going to happen um the truth was it wasn't total rubbish but it wasn't far off being total rubbish and they should not have said they were in the owners and directors test because they never were and the premier league could have blown them out of the water 
at that point, but the Premier League didn't want to do it because their Premier League was saying, well, it's Newcastle's business and we don't know they might be, although they're nowhere near what they're saying they are, they might be saying to Newcastle, we're one day away from doing it, but they weren't. So the Premier League could have said something as well. Um, and I think they were a bit frustrated that, that nothing was said, but yeah, there, there you go. So on to our final two questions and about our coverage as the editor of the Sports Desk. You're in a perfect position to answer them. First one is from Carl Steele on Twitter and he asks about TalkSport. Now, we, we do write up the quotes from TalkSport if this is something about Newcastle. Yeah. And basically he asks why. He does say also, source your own quotes from relevant people, which I'd argue we, we do every day. Yeah. yeah, we do do that. However, you know, if someone says something and it's not just from TalkSport, if it's from Five Live, yeah. if it's from, um, you know, yeah. Sky, whether we do write it up and, well, I suppose you'll be in the yeah. best position to ask, to answer why. Yeah, well, I mean, look, the, the, what tends to happen, uh, you know, we're a, we're a kind of, you know, the, we've, we've seen this summer a very different journalism model has started up um, this summer that, that has made a big noise about taking reporters from local media um, and saying we do things very, very differently and um they've you know they've launched and it's a subscription model for them um which you know is is great in terms of for the for the industry um but we have a slightly different model and i've been quite open about this in that we you know in order to make the business pay we uh, need to get both we need to get both uh, quality of kind of story out there so people will come back to us day in day day in day out and you know people will read spend a long time reading it but we also need we also need volume and one of the things so volume of page views so one of the things that we do to get that is we have to be in the middle of the conversations that people are having about Newcastle United every day now it just so happens that yesterday for example the biggest conversation that was being had about Newcastle United was what Michael Chopra was saying about the the teams of shambles um, and also people were talking about what Sam Allardyce was saying the day before people were talking about what for example Tony Cascarino was saying about Newcastle United fans need to get behind Steve Bruce now we could either sit here and say well we know best what the agenda is for Newcastle United and we could go away and write uh, write the really quality pieces that we do write but I'll give you an example last week one of our Team member Sean McCormick wrote a fantastic long read about Emil Kraft, went back and talked to loads of his different coaches and things like that, and it was a cracking read. Um, but it didn't perform as well online as some of the stuff, some of the kind of things that are maybe out there to try and outrage Newcastle fans. So, you know, I kind of say it's to do with the readers. If you stop reading, if people don't want that content, then they won't. They will stop reading it, basically, and then we won't write it as much. But when people are, when it's the centre of the conversation, we feel that you know, look, it ticks a few boxes for us in that we have, you know, it's what people want to read, and it also gives us an excuse to kind of get into a conversation about things. So, for example, when Chopper is saying that on the training ground, we then wrote a follow up um, to say, this is what we understand is happening on the training ground. Um, we then also wrote the follow up to what the reaction was to it. So a couple of Bruce allies had said, this is rubbish. We don't believe it. Um, so, we, so, so that's what we did. So it's really what people are reading, you know, and as I said, there are other models out there now. So you can, you, you know, if you prefer to take your, um, you prefer your one story about Newcastle a day or one story about Newcastle 
a week even and it's going to be a very long read and I'm willing to pay for that go ahead you know that is fine but we know that our model is you know the audience is growing we believe we've got we've got kind of we do all the pundit stuff we do all the quality stuff we do all the match coverage stuff we do all the transfer news you know i think that our model kind of ensures that if you come onto our website you never miss anything that's being said about newcastle you never miss the quality agenda setting stuff that we do as well um there might be some people listening to this at home going well i don't want to read about Talksport anymore and you're like well you don't have to um, but we kind of, you know, we, we give it the, we give it the time of day basically because it seems to be, and we measure these metrics a lot. It seems to be what people want to want to want to read. I'm not mistaken. I think it was one of the most read stories yesterday. The chopper, I think, compared the to most, say, the most read thing. So there you go. It's all about demand and yeah, you know, and that's what it's people not want necessarily. Read. Look, I'm not going to say that it's 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 necessarily Pulitzer Prize winning stuff. It's definitely not, but it is part of the conversation, and that is where we've pitched we've pitched ourselves and that is where reach as a company has pitched itself now as you come onto our website you will hear everything that's going on about newcastle plus quality plus live coverage for example on friday we um, we are live blogging the under 23 game against manchester united um, kyle scott's playing there might be a debut for ludwig franceletti um it, you know the under 23s are a big story this year so we're going to be doing that we'll have live blog we'll have pictures we'll have um, you know all, all of that so you know I think I think you could pick holes with everything it's like I've been going on the website that I'm talking about uh, there The Athletic I've been I've subscribed to that and I'm kind of being really sort of like oh well this is what they're doing well this is what they're doing badly and I'm kind of being so hypercritical about you know because I'm really interested in it I'm being hyper, like really some of the stuff's great but some of it's I'm not sure about some of it like this that and the other and, and it's kind of like giving me a bit of an open eye because I'm like picking holes in something that it's not going to, it's not going to be perfect. And I see what people are doing with us is like picking holes in things that we do. Fair enough, you know, but like I kind of look at it and I think it's a pretty good service and you're getting it for free as well. Um, and people, people are interested, you know, mm. I, I'm interested, like I'm, I'm a punter for my club um, and I want to read everything that's being said about it. So I think it's, I think it's the right way to go at the moment. But if people stop reading, we'll stop writing of course, we always welcome constructive criticism. You can find Mark having a debate on Twitter most days on that. Most um, days. The final question then is to do, again, with our coverage. coverage, um, And this comes from Scratchy on Twitter. Um, and he asks, will the Chronicle put pressure on Lee Charnley? And this is his words over his incompetence this summer, not keeping Rafa and then going for, again, his words, a Z-class replacement in Bruce. Now, we had a... Exclusive chat with um, Lee Charney, I think it was last week. Yep. Lee Ryder went to up and, you know, he was asked the, the critical questions. He was yep. asked about why Bruce, he was asked about the training ground and the response came back, you know, you're not tough, you're not tough enough. You know, why haven't you asked hard questions? And as Lee said, Lee, Lee, Lee Ryder said last week, is that, well, they were the responses to the tough questions. Yeah. So, yeah. well, yeah, I mean, your answer to, yeah. to that? Well, that's exactly, that's exactly it. Yeah, I mean, I think that what people would like to see is you know a, a, a different approach in some ways or some people would, would like to see a different approach of you know doorstepping and things like that of, of Lee Charney and, and, and making his life uncomfortable in kind of like you know in, in different ways that I, I wouldn't really you know I, I don't think it's our, it's, I don't think it's our job to, to, 
to make his life uncomfortable like that. And, and I think, you know, we would be we would be struggling from a kind of to a journalism ethics point of view to to do that. Um, and and you know we just wouldn't do it. Um, the the problem is at the moment it seems that we you know we're in a totally invidious position in a lot of ways because the only thing that people want to really hear if you believe Twitter is hammering the club. But you know look if you hammer the club day 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 in day out on everything that they do then it loses its impact. So. I'll tell you this right now. If they go down, we will go through everything. Oh, obviously, maybe get later. You know, maybe before then. But if they don't do what they say they do, if they don't do what they say they do, we criticise them. It goes on the front page. We said we did a front page saying we want answers um, the other day, a few months ago. Sorry. Then we we went down and we got a few answers. We didn't get all the answers. I think don't think anybody. You know, I don't think think we would sit here and say it was everything that we wanted from Lee Charnley but we've had Ashley Charnley and then the and the program notes as well all saying things that people have reacted with outrage to because they feel that they're disingenuous or untrue I don't know other than reporting it what we can what we can do much more than that is like to stop to change the way that they view things like when we went down in April to speak to Lee Charnley I, I, I promise you like there were some quite heated words between our reporters and Lee Charnley about why, you know, in particular, I was saying to him, why will you not let Rafa Benitez just sign who he wants? And he came back with the reasons that we reported. No manager gets that. We need, the players need to be, it needs to be adding quality. It can't just be, you know, financially, it has to work for us. We, we No manager will just be allowed to sign who they want, um, you know, but it was heated stuff. Like genuinely, at times it was like, I don't understand where you're coming from. And he's like, well, I don't understand why you're asking this question. And it was, you know, that is, and I think it's important for people to know that it was, you know, but at the end of the day, they took the, they, uh, me asking that question is not going to change what Lee Charney thinks. Then I went away in the summer and wrote, why did they get rid of Rondon? But then at the time we wrote, you know, from the April thing, we wrote, this is what they've said about Rondon. But it's important. I can't just go down there and say, this is a farce. This is, they wouldn't ask this. No, this is what he said about it because you want, I wanted to know and they, the readers wanted to know why they wouldn't sign Rondon. But then in the summer when they didn't sign Rondon and like now I wrote a piece yesterday saying there's big questions to answer about this transfer, about this transfer recruitment drive if they don't win any games and don't score enough, enough goals. But you can't like, the problem on Twitter is everybody wants everything now. You've got to let it play out for a little bit longer before we can start really saying forensically this is wrong. Because if you'd have said to me, you 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 know, if you'd have said to me when Rondon signed last summer that the mood on social media was mutinous, Rondon, he's rubbish. Why have we signed him? That was genuinely the response. He's Rafa Zedless. Um, Charlie's forced him to go down the the path of getting the player he doesn't want. It was like no, he did want. You know, and, and that's the problem is that. You know, it's very easy on Twitter to react and on social media to react to something that you see. But as a journalist, you have to see the bigger picture. And it's like it has much more impact if you let it play out for a little bit longer. Find out what's going on and then hammer it. I did a piece in the summer about Bruce getting the job and 
and this being Mike Ashley's Newcastle, this being Mike Ashley FC, not Newcastle United FC, that piece still stands. I can't write that piece every day because it just loses its impact. And it's also not relevant now because the, the, the agenda's moved on a little bit, but it still stands. It's still what I think. It's still there. Um, and, and so, you know, that is the, the answer to that question. It's like, if you want to see somebody hammering Lee Charnley every day in the newspaper, that, it's just unrealistic because it's not, a, a lot of readers get would get bored of that. But it's not like we don't do it. It's not like got, we don't do it. Got to be fair and balanced as well as the other thing. Be fair and balanced. Of course we have. You know, look, we don't know yet how this is going to play out. They've lost two games. It looks bad, um, but we don't know how it's going to play out yet. Uh, all I can write is at the moment it's not looking good, and all we can say at the moment is that the signs are worrying, which we've said and we've written after the game. That's all we can say at the moment because it hasn't played out yet. All we can say, as we've said countless times, Mike Ashley needs to sell the football club for it to go forward. We've said that countless times. But, you know, and and now we're kind of looking to, you know, what's going to be next, what the fans are going to do next. You know, we gave the boycott um, movement a lot of publicity, a lot of airtime, a lot of um, a lot of page space in the newspaper and a lot of a lot of, you know, online. We've we've done three or four live blogs with the Magpie group, you know. It's not as if we've got a deaf ear to the problems at the football club at all, but we have a daily, you know, we have a daily commitment to writing about Newcastle United, and we can't write the same things every day. Hopefully, they're going to win a few games, and we might have something different, might have different things to talk about. But you know, we are a newspaper that has written front pages about the football club and the dire state of the football club. We've put Lee Charlie on the front page a few times, you know. But we're also like if we're getting if we're getting the chance to ask those questions, we'll ask them. But then we have to put the you know we have to put what he said out, and then we can maybe criticise it. I mean, how many, you've written a piece about the training ground. I've written a piece about the training ground not being good enough. You know, it's 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 farcical that they've they had plans seven or eight years ago that haven't yet been done. We've we've said all this, um, and it still stands. You know, we still feel that way. I still feel that way. I still feel critical of what's going on. I don't agree with the direction of the football club. But we have to engage with them because because if we don't engage with them and we don't give them a chance um, to say what they want to say, then I think you know the under- our understanding of what they're trying to do and what's happening is massively diminished. Um, and you know, look, there were 47,000 people there on the first game of the season. So you know, maybe the argument is that the, the people on Twitter are not wholly representative of what people want to read maybe the people want to read different things as well and there you have it thank you very much Mark for joining us you can head over to chroniclelive.co.uk to keep up to date with all the latest cast night news